0: Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. So I want to talk to you today about new wine. New wine. And I want to make this as plain as possible. So I'm going to take my time. Is that all right? Is it really all right? So, you can take your time depending on how much time it takes. (laughs) Take your time, sir, but don't take too much time. We're going to, our text, our primary text, is found in Luke chapter 5, verse 37 and 39. I might ask you to participate because it's very quiet in here. And I, I, I respond to sound. I'm a sensory person. I like sound. Is there anybody else who likes sound? There are times when I like solitude. But not when I got this mic in my hand. That's not a time for solitude. So here's what it reads. And no one. Everybody say no one. Puts... New wine into old wineskins. Or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled. And the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins and both are preserved. And no one he said it twice, everybody say no one no. having drunk old wine immediately desires new, for he says the old is better. The old is better. What I love about Jesus is that he knows how to speak to us in a language we understand. And culturally, the people he was speaking to at this time understand wine and how it was contained. Can you put the picture up? We're gonna break down a few things there, but I wanna, this is what a wine skin looks like. It's generally from a goat, or sheep's hide, or cow hide, but probably most commonly, it's goat skin. And when you put fermented fluid or liquid inside of it, it has an effect because this comes from a living organism. It's, it expands. And when it expands, it gets thinner. It's concentrated. But when you put new wine inside of an old wineskin that has already been stretched and that is already thin, it can't hold, it can't contain what's put in it. So now it's already stretched. You put in new wine, newly fermented, it spills. It leaks. God said, do you know how you can discern when new wine is in an old wine skin in human form, there's leakage. Things start to leak. Emotions start to leak out. Things, agitation begins to leak out. And it doesn't take much because it's already stretched. And when something new is put in, it begins to leak. And that's why no one, somebody say no one, puts new wine in an old wineskin. What Jesus is saying is, what I'm saying impacts everybody. I'm talking to every body. I was thinking, as the Lord was ministering this to me, that if there are any marketing professionals in the room, you know that when you are looking to establish your target audience, generally, there's a bell curve. And there are people who are early adopters. They're on the left side of the curve, about 20%. On the other side, there are laggards. They're about 20%. But in the middle, there's about 60%. So what you want is the, the big one, the 60%. You like the early adopters because they love new things. They love new things. But here is the problem, because what Jesus is really talking about is not wine. He's using that as a metaphor to reach the people in that culture. But what he's talking about is change. He says, they say, the old is better. If any of you have gone through change, your proclivity and my proclivity is to say, the old is better. Even when God is doing a new thing, it is our human nature to say the old is better. Why are you doing this? We've always done it this way. That's what Jesus is trying to get to. See, what I love about him also is Jesus wasn't into the bell curve. When he says no one, when I say to one, I say to all. On the the early adopters, he had the zealots. They have zeal. They're looking for a new thing. They're looking for the Messiah to come and overturn. On the other end, you have Pharisees who, if you don't go by our rules, you can't know God. And in the middle, you have the centrist who are looking for truth. Jesus said, I want all of y'all because no one would do this. You know better than doing this, but still when you taste the new wine. It's new wine you're tasting, but you say the old is better. Anyone who knows anything about wine, and I'm not going to ask you to expose yourself, you know that aged wine is better. Jesus knows that, too, because it's more fermented. You, you, it's more expensive. The aged stuff is the good stuff. But Jesus is trying to make a point about change. And he's trying to get them to see that he came to do a new thing. And I know there's some of you who can't receive me because you say the old is better. But you don't even know that the old is talking about me. I've come to do a new thing. I've come to establish what the old talked about. is here right in front of you. And sometimes... We can miss God because we say the old is better and he's trying to do a new thing. Can I make it a little more plain? See, a new thing is only new when it's new. Come on, a new thing is only new when it's new because when it ages, it becomes what? What was new in 1990 is old in 2023. And depending on how long you've lived, you say 1990 wasn't that long ago. But come on, is there anybody who's with me? But still those things are old. New requires renewal. That's why it's re-new. Make new over again, re-new. And the way God does it in the believer is in Romans 12 and 2. He says, do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When my mind is made new, then I can receive new wine. But if I'm saying the old is better, my mind is not new, I can't receive it because if if, if, if it goes in this container, it spills out. And both are ruined. But if I'm renewed and I can receive it, both are preserved. Beloved, God told me to tell you, you are the salt of the earth. And salt is a preservative. The only way you're going to be preserved is you've got to be renewed so you can receive the new. Change is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. Nobody likes it. Nobody embraces it. Even early adopters, what they love is the bright shiny object of the new thing because they they adopt that and then when the next new thing comes, what do they do? So marketers don't like them because you can't keep them. It is less expensive to retain an old customer than it is to acquire a new customer. And if you are an early adopter, you're willing to pay a premium. So the price you pay is high. And then what was new becomes old. And so you know what the cycle is? You now have to pay a high price again for the next new thing. God said there are some people going through life paying a price that's too high. You don't have to pay that price. If you would just be renewed in the spirit of your mind, I can put new things in you but the container has to change in order for you to receive it. Because if you receive this new thing I have for you, there's gonna be spillage. There's a leak in this old building. I gotta move to another home. Some of y'all know that. Some of y'all know it. The young people say, what in the world is he talking about? I'm gonna talk to you in a minute too, but It is important for us to understand what Jesus is really saying. He's talking about change. And the things, there's nothing that stays new because nothing stays the same. There's only one thing in life, one thing in this life that is unchangeable. Jesus Christ, the same today, yesterday, and forever. He's the unchanging changer. He changes things, but he never changes. That's why you can trust him. You can depend on him. That's why I don't want to preach against stuff. I preach Jesus Christ and him crucified because you can depend on him. He's not going anywhere. What he says is true. You can count on him, he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He will not change. Culture changes. The world changes. People change. My body is reminding me, you are changing. You're changing. I have less breath than I used to have. I still breathe at the same rate, but for some reason, I'm oxygen deprived. Where's my oxygen? I think the volume of my body is probably more than it was. I need to sit down, because I'm talking about myself. Some of y'all say, you just need a rest, you need a break. No, I'm doing this for effect. But there was less volume, less body mass when I was 20. But I had more oxygen, Deshawn. I have more mass, more scale. I like to think of it as lean muscle mass. But if you look at me, you see, you can think what you want. (laughs) That's not what it is. Thinking doesn't make it so. But it doesn't, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. What matters is time changes things. There's change that is inevitable, and there's change that is intentional. We're able to embrace inevitable change when we submit to the intentional change that God sends to us. When we resist change that the unchanging changer is trying to implement, we become like the Pharisees and we miss him. He's right in front of them. We think we contain the truth. The truth is in front of them, in front of us, and we crucify the truth. I don't know about you. I don't want that to happen. I don't want it to happen to any of us. I don't want it to happen to not one of us. I want us to understand. So how do you know when God is doing a new thing? What if it's someone's baked-up idea? How can we know? What helps us to discern that this is God? This is not Pastor Bob, this is not Bishop Granham, this is not Pastor Ball. this is not, this is God. How do you know that? Isaiah 43 and 19, because we know how to live, we know instruction through this book. This is the manual for life. And one of the things that is happening more and more in this generation that we live in is there are fewer and fewer people who rely on this. Like literally, they rely on other things. They seek help in other places because culture tells you what you need to do to find help, and we're looking for it in all the wrong places. I said about a month ago, which among us would send our Maybach or our Bugatti to pet Boys to be fixed? None of us. You would take it to the experts. Well, the manual for life. If you want to know how to live and live right, it's in this book. God gave us a manual. And so if we want to know, how can we know as a family of believers when God is doing a new thing? Put up Isaiah 43 and 19 and let's do it together. Is my pace all right for you? It says, behold, behold is translated look, look and see. Behold, I will do what? And the thing about a new thing, new things, sis, are not durable because it's new for a moment and then it becomes old. So what the prophet is trying to tell us is that God is doing a new thing. And if he did a new thing in 1970, in 2023, is it still new? You say it's still new? He is, he's unchangeable. But everything in this fallen world becomes corrupted. That's how the aging process started, right? Adam and Eve were the same as when God took Adam from the ground and Eve from his rib until sin entered. And then the dying process entered. And even though Adam lived to be 930 years old, I don't see anybody walking around earth that long because the earth has been standing and corruption has increased and lifespans have decreased. Do you follow me? Do you understand what I'm saying? Am I in the book? And so because of that, everything must change. And so there is change that is inevitable but I'm talking to you about the change that is intentional where we submit ourselves to the will of God but we have to know that it's God and we're gonna spend the rest of our time discerning that in the word. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Here's a question. Shall you not know it? If I do a new thing, It's going to spring forth, and shall you not know it? I'm talking to every believer in the room. When God is doing something new, shall you not know it? How will I know? He gives us, the prophet gives us a little insight. He says, I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Rivers don't belong in the desert. Road, he said, I'll make a road. I'm not talking about having masons go out, brick masons and lay it. I'm not talking about blacktop. He's saying, what he's really saying, Rita, is you know as God, when what happens, only God can do it. Only God can do it. And there are some things that we don't even see as miraculous, only Jesus can save. There's nobody else that can save. Only Jesus can save. He's, I, that's a new thing. Every time he does that, because the Bible is clear, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creator. He just made something new. Are you with me? And all things are passed away. And behold, all things become new. And see, the fact that all things become new lets you know it's a continuous process. That's why sanctification, separation, is a process. Because once he saves me, I'm now with him, I change, but there's some stuff that still needs to fall off. So what's happening as I walk with him, all things. Somebody say, and another thing. For every step I take, and another thing is being made new. It's continually, it's continually, even though I met him, Over 35 years ago, every time I walk with him, and another thing is falling away. Renewal is a process. He's still making it new. He's not a one and done God. He's not a one and done God. So you know it's God when what happens, only God can do it. Have you ever received the word that God has confirmed and you know this is not coincidence? This is not happenstance. This is not circumstance. That's God. That's the evidence that God has done it. We know, Xavier, it's a new thing when something that is done, only God can do. Only God can do. There was a time, I'm going to talk about change, and I want to use the church as an analogy, just as Jesus used new wine. There are things, I was having a conversation with, uh, with Gabby who's a PhD student and she was talking to me about something and it was an interesting conversation because she's doing a research paper and she has to focus on the origin of things. And it was a fascinating conversation intellectually the origin of things. There are some things that we do as a practice that don't originate from here. And if you are born into a church and the things and the practices that you do, they just seem right because you do them. So it's important to know the origin of things. It's good for knowledge, but that only takes you so far. So far. Because it's intellectual. There was a time, and I'm not going to go too far back in history, but I want to make this point plain. In the 60s and 70s, there was a movement in the church. It was called the Jesus Movement. And it was, it was a generation who was into free love, drugs. Their motto was drugs, sex, and rock and roll. And when they encountered the living Christ, they realized, I don't have what it takes to do what God is calling me to do. They were genuine. They were were Woodstock types. They were dashiki, wild, didn't bathe. They were a mess. But when they met Jesus, they recognized their mess. And they say, you're able to get me out of my mess, but now how am I gonna witness to others How am I going to take this message to others? And what that generation did is they solely relied on the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost. They didn't go to school. They weren't equipped. They were like the apostles who the Pharisees saw as ignorant and unlearned men. But they took note that they had been with Jesus. They said, these guys don't know letters. They haven't been to Alexandria like Paul. We're gonna talk about that in a minute in the text, but they've been with Jesus. That's what qualified them. And the church exploded, the church exploded. It lasted for about 30 years, 30 years, 30 years. Jesus came into ministry at age 30. There's something prophetic about the Jesus movement. I hope the next 30 years, there's going to be a move of God. Somebody said, God do a new thing. So then what happened in the 90s was the birth of megachurches. It was on the winds of the Jesus Church. But the megachurch was very educated, administration, sound, beautiful building but that gave room to something called the prosperity gospel. I'm not preaching against anything, I'm preaching Jesus. I'm not against anybody, I'm just for Jesus. Are you with me? And I'm telling you, if I were talking to young people, I would say I'm spitting facts. I'm not talking about, historically, you can look at the record just like you can look at the historical Jesus. Just as you can know historically that Jesus is real, I'm I'm speaking about what happened. It's not not hard to find. So then the church exploded, the megachurch. Now we get the century turns when the 21st century megachurches are empty. There's a generation who doesn't even want to go to church. They have no problem with God but they don't want anything to do with church. They think we're a bunch of hypocrites. And the reason is the doctrine turned in such a way that it was about glitz and glamor. And after about 30 years, people realized only a few folk getting blessed. They told me that I can name it and claim it And my car just got possessed. And this dude is driving a Rolls Royce. And so people started, and then their children watched and said, what? You're nothing like the God that you talk about. I'm talking about a generation who craves authenticity. They just want the real. You give it to me real, and I'll follow it. If you don't, I don't want any parts of it. And so what we have inherited is that. So we need God to do a new thing. I pray that he would do a new thing. But he told me to tell you that you need to know that in order to contain the new wine skins, your skin, the new wine, your skin. Your vessel has to change. Because if not, you're going to be stuck in the mindset that the old is better. And you're going to walk around leaking. Because no one, no one. He said that twice. He wants you to pay attention. When he says no one, that means this impacts everyone. If no one does this, everyone, everyone I was gonna say is guilty of it. Guilty isn't the right word. Everyone is subject to it. That's a better word. It's subject to, are you with me? So how do we know when God is doing a new thing because it's something that only God can do. In the era of the Jesus movement, the spirit of God was moving. There were miracles, there were signs, there was wonders. As I was driving here today and the Spirit was, was downloading, I was prepared for the message, but the way God deals with me is He never stops talking. Like right now, He's still talking. So there might be something in the notes that I don't get to because there's something that He said that always takes precedent. Is that all right? So he, he took me back to a picture that my mother-in-law showed me years ago. And it was her pastor in Newark, New Jersey, and his name was Pastor Skinner. I don't know what his face looks like. I've never met him, but I had relatives in Newark who also went to his church and they talked about him. And the picture, Minister Baldy, was a picture of his two hands. All it was was his hands. And I promise you that his hands, he was long dead, was anointed. I looked at that picture and I felt the Holy Ghost. I wish I would have preserved that picture because she's gone now. And I still have the memory of it. And she would tell me stories. We would sit around eating corn on the cob and barbecuing on the grill. And she said, Pastor Skinner, when he did an altar call, big men, she said he was a little man, were afraid of him. Because when he laid hands, something happened. She said, you couldn't come to our church sick and Pastor Skinner lay hands on you. That sickness has got to go. See, there was a total reliance on the Spirit of God. But then we ended up getting big heads. It started going to the head. It moved from the Spirit to the head. I'm saying, God, we need knowledge We're not saying there's anything wrong with that, but we need the Spirit of God. We need you because there's some things that only you can do. Only you can do. My mind, my business mind can help construct plans. My business mind can help organize. But all I can do is plant or water. It takes God to send increase. Only God can send increase. Only Jesus can save. So my prayer, I hope somebody will get on your knees and pray for another Jesus movement. A move of God where we will rely on Him and not on what we know, not on what we have, not on our capability, not on our pedigree, but Him alone. You know when the disciples... When the three of them in his inner circle, Dennis, was on the Mount of Transfiguration. And they wanted to build a temple to stay there because it was good. Sometimes we get to the mountaintop as a church and we say it's good for us to be here. He's like, no, no, we got to go down in the valley because the needs are down there. But the Bible says they heard a voice from heaven. And Isaiah, not Isaiah, but Elijah, Moses, and Jesus was there. There's something prophetic about that. Elijah was for the prophets, Moses for the lawgiver, and Jesus, who the law and the prophets hang on him. So when they turned around, the Bible as clear it says, and they saw Jesus only. He says, away with the law, away with the prophets. He's doing a new thing, and he brought in the apostolic ministry, and that's why chronologically in time. The prophets, Old Testament, they came before the apostles. But when you read Ephesians, the apostles are before the prophets. Because when he does a new thing, he rearranges things. God, we want you to rearrange some things. Do a new thing. Somebody say, New wine. New wine. New wine. New wine. I know in the natural, the old is better. But we're not talking about the natural. We're talking about spiritual things. Are you getting this? Are you really getting it? So let's go to, here's one of my go-to verses that I want to share with you. When I'm confronted with change that I don't like. If we're honest, there's some things, the reason you resist the change, because you don't like it it's gonna disrupt something in your life. And you just don't wanna do it. Am I the only one in here? So here's how I've learned to be steady and not to leak, not to let anything leak out. You're not gonna see me leaking. Come on, tell your labor, you won't catch me leaking because I can hold new wine. Some of y'all was leaking yesterday. But we're about to stop that leak. Acts chapter 5, verses 38 and 39. And I pray this will be your go to. When change comes, you won't resist it, but you'll have this knowledge. This is Gamaliel speaking. And Paul testifies that I sat, he sat at the feet of Gamaliel. Paul was educated in Alexandria. In Alexandria I would like to Cambridge. I would liken unto Cambridge, where Harvard and MIT sit side by side. Alexandria was the place of knowledge in, in the, during the first century church. And Gamaliel is now speaking to the church leadership and he's he's actually speaking to the Pharisees who are ready to do something bad to Peter and John and here's what he says. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone for this plan or this work, is of men, it will come to nothing. So that, see, that's what calms me down. I'm like, why am I resisting this? If this isn't of God, it's going to come to nothing. It's not going to last. It can't last. Somebody say, it just won't work. But now what's the other side? Verse 39. Verse 39. But... If it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you be found to fight against God. I've learned through these two simple verses how to hold my peace. I'm telling you, I speak to myself all these things when I feel stressed about a situation that I don't like or that I'm rejecting because my heart could be wrong. All I have to do is know that if this is of men, I don't care how powerful they are, I don't care where they sit, I don't care who they think they are, this is truth. If it's of men, it's gonna come to nothing. But if it's of God, it cannot be overthrown. And that doesn't only apply to things that I have to receive, it's also the things that I give. If I provide direction in any setting, in the church or outside of the church, And I know it's the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. I can rest. Why can I rest? Because if it's of God, no one can overthrow it. No one can overthrow it. Not even your enemies. Because he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemy. So don't give in to pressure when your haters rise up. Because if it's of God, God has prepared something for you. And in order for you to receive it, it's got to be in the presence of your enemy. So not only do you know, but they know this is God. Are you with me? So don't, don't stress. The next time change comes, resist the urge to say the old is better because that, that, that can cause us to miss God. But know that if it's not of God, it's not gonna stand. If it is, come on, somebody finish it. There's that no one again. Today is the day of no one. No one can overthrow it. Come on, say it out loud so you can speak to yourself. No one. Can we go a little further? One verse, Proverbs 19 and 21. What the Lord is doing now is teaching us to embrace change and not resisting it. Because if it's somebody's idea, it's not gonna stand. Just wait, it's gonna change. But if it's of God, you can't overthrow it. This is a complimentary verse. There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. That will stand. See, that's why relying on plans, its you have to have plans because Otherwise, you're just drifting in the wind. You might as well sing that song, Without Him, I would be nothing. Without Him, I would fail. Without Him, I would be lost. Like a ship, without a sail. We don't drift through life. We follow Him, but we do it with this knowledge. In my heart, in your heart, there are many plans. But what's going to stand? The counsel of the Lord. When we gather together, what we need is the whole counsel of God. Because his counsel stands. Opinions don't stand. Points of view don't stand. Attitudes don't stand. I don't care if you speak with three snaps in a circle. That's impressive in the moment, but it's not gonna stand, it's not gonna stand if it's not the counsel of the Lord. Somebody say new wine, Wine. new wine. I see y'all doing three snaps in a circle. (laughs) New wine. Jesus was communicating to every single one in his generation. That's evidenced by him saying twice, no one does these things. And he's trying to communicate a spiritual point that is relevant to every generation. One of the greatest challenges I see with this generation is communicating the truth of the gospel without compromise in a way that speaks to every generation in every heart so that no one is left out. Now that's something that only God can do. I wanna give you an example, call it Exhibit A. There's a man that I spoke about about a year ago. His name is Robert, Smith-this. Robert Smith-this. smith this. Robert smith Dis. Smith, S M I S S M I T H D A S you can put him in your browser he was a he was de- he was born deaf blind and mute he couldn't talk he couldn't see he couldn't hear here's the question what is language to robert smith this it doesn't exist right How could language exist to someone who's deaf, blind, and mute? You can't communicate with him, he can't communicate with you. It's like Ellen Keller, who was so frustrated because I can't communicate. So she would do it with her emotions. He became a poet. I think I showed a video about a year ago of him going to church. Why do you go to church? You can't hear, you can't see and he told Barbara Walters, is when I sit in the pews, I feel the vibration of the organ. And I know my God is making sweet melody. But here's the thing, I wanna read one of his poems. He's deaf, he's dumb, he's blind, and all his life, he's been that way. So I want you to imagine that. It's hard for us to imagine I need to hurry up because my voice is about to leave me. Voice don't fail me now. But here's what he said. This is what Bob wrote. I praise my God, for he has guided me through the darkness too intense to find the day. What is he talking about? His blindness. He has guided me through the darkness. Can you see that? Too intense to find the day. Day, What is daylight to him? He's never seen light. He's never seen light. But he's writing this poem. I praise my God, for he provided me with music when all sound had died away. He never, he never, Ever heard a day in his life. Why is he talking about sound? Where does the music come from? I used to hear the song when I was growing up. Up above my head, I hear music. It was just a song. But I, when I read about this man's life, it was real to him. Like, how does he know melody? How does he know song if he never heard in his life, and how is this man, who's blind, deaf, and dumb, praising God? And there are people who have their eyesight. They have all five senses, and they curse God. He's blessing God. He said, into the songless darkness of my days. The light of hope and song of love have crept until my spirit sings this hymn of praise to him who woke me when my whole life slept. Here's a man who never saw, who never heard, who was never able to speak. He communicated by putting his hand on the throat of Barbara Walters. And he understood by the Bible. How did he learn that? Who communicated with him? God. Only God. I wanted to bring illustrate a point. There's no one that God can't reach. There's no one that God can't speak to. If God can speak to a deaf, dumb, and blind man and have him praising his works, surely... He can speak to a drug addict. He can speak to a prostitute. He can speak to a murderer. There's no one he can't reach. As his ambassador, I wanna be like him. I wanna be able to reach everybody. I wanna understand the generation that I know not. I wanna be able to speak in such a way that generations that are yet unborn will hear something that I said and be blessed. Do you know that as believers, we have that power? We have the power to do that. But while we are here, we wanna declare our generation to those who have written the church off as a bunch of hypocrites. We wanna show by our life that that's not true, that Jesus is real. People know he's real when he sees them in you. People are to ask you, what is it about you? There's something about you that's different. I want that. God do a new thing so it's evident to those who are unreachable, who are untouchable, who view themselves as unlovable. This man talked about the love of God reaching down into his songless darkness, meaning I can't hear. He says, he was quoted as saying this. How can you believe this? It just occurred to me. This is how you know only God can do this. I'm quoting a man who never talked. Just think about that. That's something only God can do. I just read poetry of a man who can't, who's blind. He can't write without Braille. Can you see the hand of God? Do you know that we serve a God that can do anything? Here's what he said. American deaf blind poet Robert Smith just said, blindness takes you away from scenes, but deafness takes you away from people. Blindness takes you away from scenes, but deafness takes you away from people. When I listen to this man who's no longer on the earth, who couldn't hear, but I can hear, and I hear his word, and let everyone who has ears to hear hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Our ability to hear brings us close to people. He said, hearing takes you away from people. Hearing, when you hear the hearts of others, it brings you closer. As a community, as a church community, when we hear the cries of the lost, it brings us closer. When we don't hear that, it takes us away from people. And we become like Pharisees, religious zealots who think they're the only ones who are right. There was a young man who approached Jesus one day and he called him good. And Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's only one that's good. Now Jesus was testing him while making a point. The test was, do you know who I am? You've heard about me. Do you really know where, I, where I'm from? Do you think I'm from Nazareth? Don't you know I came from heaven? Don't you know that everything that's seen and unseen, that I created it? Do you really know that? And the young man didn't because when he he was rich, right? The rich young ruler and Jesus said, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. He said, from my youth. It's interesting. Young people are different. He's young. He's talking about from your youth. Man, you're still in your youth. You're still in your youth. So you need to hear young people who think they have already formed all the knowledge they're going to get. And they're still in their youth. So Jesus said, that's good. He said, there's one other thing I require of you. Sell everything you have and give to the poor. The one who came as though he loved, Je- he knew Jesus, he turned around and he walked away sad. He missed his moment because to him, the old was better. He said, I know what it's like to live rich. You asking me to give this up? I don't think God is worth that. Some people today in the 21st century, we're more sophisticated. We'll say, God wouldn't want me to give up that. It's God who gave it to me. Yeah, but have you heard? The Lord giveth. And the Lord taketh away. (laughs) Oh, you didn't read that verse. Sacrifice. The point is, this young man loved him, called him rabbi, until he was asked to sacrifice. I want to be the kind of person that is all in, that is sold out. God, whatever you require, I'm willing to do that. That's easier said than done. But even Jesus, how we doing? Do we have five more minutes? Y'all still with me? Are you with me? Even, I'm still talking about new, new wine. Even Jesus, when faced with the pressure of dying and agonizing death, was in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's the place of oil, where oil, oil, olives all around, and olive, doesn't release his juice until it's crushed. You got to crush the olive to get the oil. All of us want oil, but none of us want to be crushed. Even Jesus said, "Father, I know you can do anything." He said, "If it's possible, take this cup away." But while he was yet speaking, he said, "Nevertheless, Not my will, but thine begun. He said, Father, I'm struggling right now because it's not. I'm not worried about death. I'm worried about the process. It's going to be painful and agonizing. But if that's the way you want me to do it, I submit to your will. When a new thing comes, it's required that we submit to the will of God. I don't want to do this. I've had many things in my life. That I didn't want to do. But God said do it. And you have to get to a place of submission. Don't act like you wake up yielded. There's some stuff we don't like. There's some stuff we don't understand. You got to be real with that. And above all be real with God. Because he already knows what's in your heart. You can talk to him about it. Jesus prayed. And talked to his father about it. When the others went to sleep, he wanted them to pray with him for one hour and they went to sleep. But his secret weapon was I submit to you. Father, I know you can do anything, but if this is the thing that you want me to do in order to usher in a new thing in the earth, then I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. God is saying God is saying new covenant we're in a season of new wine. And the one thing that's going to happen with or without me with or without you is it's going to be poured out. The question is can it be contained? Can it be contained? Because No one puts new wine in an old wine scan because it's going to be stretched. It's going to be stretched. And I'm not talking about overactivity. I'm not talking about um, stimulation, I'm talking about something spiritual. And how do our containers change? We saw it in Romans 12 and 2. By the renewing of our minds. So let this be the day where we transition from the old is better to God, do a new thing. Do a new thing. Do a new thing. Stand with me just for a moment. We're going to pray together. But I just want to say this. Thank you. I have... My wife and I have fostered seven children. And my in-laws at an advanced stage fostered probably more than that and we got to know all of them. We loved them, we babysitted them and the pain of them leaving was never easy. And I thought, I don't wanna do this. But God said do it and the seventh one became our son. And when we, we went through an 18 month process and on the day he became an Oliver, a week or two later, the agency closed down that we were using and we knew that was God. He was meant to be an Oliver. And we tell him, you're like our other children God chose you and therefore we chose you and we were intentional naming him David. The reason is David means beloved. And I said, Denise, every time he hears his name, I I want him to know he's beloved. But what I learned in the process of watching those children come in and out is that they were they had become accustomed to abandonment, rejection, going from place to place That pe- for people who didn't really care about them, who only cared about whatever the stipend is. Honestly, I don't even know what it is. But I can tell you this, their lives were impacted in such a way that even when they were in places that were abusive and not good for them, when it became home, they wanted to go back to that. A person a person could be in a bad situation, but what they know is home, they'll always go back to that. Because it's human nature to say the old is better. I knew this very wealthy businessman who was high up in a corporation, and he had a nephew in Bed-Stuy, do or die Bed-Stuy, and he was in a dangerous situation, and he said, I'm going to bring him. He lived in the suburbs, big mansion, a lot of money, he would, the kid would want for nothing. The young man came there, he hated it, he hated every minute. He said, it's too quiet. The kids are corny. There's nobody who looks like me. I want to go back around the way. Because to him, the old was better. He didn't see it as worse. He didn't see his condition as being upgraded. The old is better. God is talking to somebody today who he wants to establish brand new life in you. He wants to show you a better way. He knows that it's your nature to say the old is better. He knows that you feel like you're giving up something. But he said, don't go back to that. Child, I've got a more excellent way for you. If that's you and you feel God, tugging on your heart even if you've never met him and you don't know him and you sense something I want you to come I want you to come so that I can pray with you because the old is not better he wants to do a new thing in you this is your opportunity if you are here today while you're processing that If you're here today and you want to be a part of the New Covenant family, this is your opportunity to come. You may come now. The old is not better. Somebody say the old is not better. God wants to do a new thing. Thank you for joining us in service today.